Every year as we celebrate this great uh, feast of the Immaculate Conception, the feast of the doctrine and the dogma uh, that we uh, celebrate, I can't help but think how appropriate it is we celebrate it during the Advent season uh, because uh, how, uh, what we really celebrate is how God is preparing, uh, how God is preparing uh, the world for Jesus in every aspect that he possibly can. That's what Advent is about, about remembering his uh, our Lord's first coming and, and preparing for his second coming, and the first coming involving his mother, involving uh, Mary. And there is something extremely special about her, uh, and when we celebrate such things as the Immaculate Conception or some of the other uh, Marian doctrines, uh, sometimes our Protestant brothers and sisters critique us and, and such, like, oh, you're making something about Mary. Well, yeah, because God made something special about Mary. That's what it comes down to. And uh, there are four, in particular, Marian doctrines that uh, the church has declared infallible that we must hold on to. And uh, the first two were not declared by just, uh, not that it was just as simple as the Pope just saying it's to be, but ex cathedra. But the first two were the results of deliberation. And in fact, uh, yesterday with the Feast of St. Nicholas, I, I shared uh, St. Nicholas, uh, it, it is said, was at the Council of Nicaea, uh, the, the pious legend, whether it's, uh, there's, there's very little evidence that is true, but it's something fun to think about, is St. Nicholas got so mad at Arius, who was a heretic, that he punched him in the nose. But the Council of Nicaea asked the question, who is Jesus Christ? And the follow-up question became, and so, who is Mary? If Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, the, the second person of the Trinity, who is Mary? And they defined Mary as the mother of God, the Theotokos. We'll celebrate that on January 1st of this year, Mary, Mother of God. That doctrine that Mary gave birth to God. And we have to remember, giving birth does not mean giving existence to. But she allowed the Son of God to become incarnate in her womb and to be born. And the second Marian doctrine also coming from the question of who is Jesus? And that is the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Mother. We don't have a feast day in particular that celebrates that, which I, I found myself wondering, well, what would that even look like? But uh, perhaps uh, it's good to remember, though, that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. A perpetual virgin so that she would be an unstained vessel for the Son of God. And that was defined again in, in uh, one of the following uh, ecumenical councils, I believe the Council of... Uh, um, uh, just dropped out of my head, sorry. Uh, Constantinople, sorry, Nicaea and Constantinople are the two really Marian ones. But the question for a long time was, is there something else special about the Blessed Mother? The Mother of God, besides her being a virgin, besides her being the Mother of God, giving, uh, giving birth to that Son of God, bearing him with love beyond all telling in her womb. And from very early on, they determined, yes, that God must have saved her from sin. That how, how could the Son of God remain perfect and clean 
with, without her being somehow preserved from sin. Now, there were debates back and forth, and, and maybe you, you've heard or been told, but uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, it's unfortunate, one of the few times he was wrong, but he, he said we have no need for the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. That doesn't mean that she was not sin-free, but he did not believe that he, she was sin-free from the first moment of her conception. But Don Scotus, blessed, said that yes, indeed she was from the first moment of her conception. And church fathers and theologians uh, debated back and forth and, and forth and back, and it, became to be, it came to be a consensus that the bishops throughout the world found that we as Catholics believed that Mary was from that first moment of her conception without sin, without original sin, and lived the rest of her life without personal sin. And so in 1850, the Pope declared it to be an infallible teaching of the Church, a dogma, that Mary was immaculately conceived from the first moment of her conception in a unique act of grace. That's what we celebrate tonight. Of course, the fourth Marian doctrine or dogma that uh, just to round it out is, of course, the assumption. I found myself contemplating these four Marian doctrines. If you're paying attention to them, there is something unique in all of them. And it, is, it comes down to one word, and the word is contradiction. And I, I know we don't have the, the passage of uh, the presentation in the temple as they bring the Christ child in, and Simeon sees the Christ child, and he explodes into joy, and he says, you yourself is, uh, will be assigned to be contradicted. But Mary is a sign of contradiction. How can a human be mother of God? How can a virgin be mother of God? How can a human from Adam and Eve, because of their original sin, as we hear in today's first reading, because of that original personal sin, we have original sin, this broken relationship that we're born into. How can Mary be fully human and preserved from sin from that first moment of her conception? And how can a human with human flesh be assumed to heaven? These are the questions, the contradictions that are there, but they're only contradictions on the, on the surface. If we look deeper, we see something more. We see the action of God. In fact, that action has a word, and especially with the Immaculate Conception, and we'll hear that word in a little bit as we pray over the gifts. It's called a provenient grace that God saw beforehand the grace that the Blessed Mother was going to need and acted in accordance. In a way that only God can do because he is outside of time, he gave to the Blessed Mother all the grace that was to be won on the cross by her son from that first moment of conception. Now, if we think about that too much because we are based in time, it's going to blow our minds. We can't fully understand but if we understand it from the side of eternity, that God stands outside of time, it makes complete sense. That God can do this, knowing that the Blessed Mother was going to be able to say yes to bear his son, he gave her the grace that was needed to do such a thing, to be the mother of God, to remain a virgin and mother, to be conceived without sin. 
and because of this, to be taken to heaven body and soul. It's not a contradiction. Rather, it's hidden, showing the glory of God. And we hear that glory today even in this very greeting of uh, Gabriel to the Blessed Mother. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Those of us that are Catholic better recognize those words. After all, they're the first quarter of the Hail Mary, right? Hail, full of grace. And even that word, sometimes we, we might think it's just a, just a standard greeting. Hey, how are you doing? No, full of grace. This word in Greek is only used twice in the whole of the New Testament. Only twice. Once here for the Blessed Mother, once for the church, the members of the church made perfect, that we actually hear today in today's second reading. that we are full of his grace, chosen, blessed, with every spiritual blessing. The Blessed Mother enjoyed that fullness of grace, so it's not necessarily a title, but a description, full of grace from the first moment. Of course, to round out the Hail Mary, of course, we know that in the next quarter, is what follows immediately after this. As the Blessed Mother hears the word of promise that uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth have conceived, that Elizabeth is with child, and that this child is to be the forerunner of, of Christ, she rush, rushes out. And as the greeting reaches Elizabeth's ear, the baby in her womb jumps for joy. And she explodes, Who am I that the mother of my God should come to me? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Speaking of Mother of God, hmm, maybe there is a little bit more scripture in the Catholic dogma than what we are accused of. As we gather this night, though, we call to mind Mary, full of grace, to be the Mother of God. And if we're paying attention to, we see something amazing. It's something that I, I found myself uh, in one of the classroom visits today. They asked something about, about uh, original sin and all those things. And there are four effects of original sin. It's death, disease, darkened intellect, and the desire to sin. And that Mary, because she had no original sin, she was preserved from that first moment, did not suffer from the effects of this. She was assumed to heaven, having completed the course of her earthly life. She was sinless, uh, had no desire to sin. And we have no, uh, in the scriptures or whatever, but uh, that did she suffer any sickness whatsoever? The church fathers say she didn't. And that darkened intellect. Now, if we were reading it on surface level, we might say, wait a minute. She had to ask, ask a question, how can this be? But a darkened intellect doesn't mean you don't know everything. It means that you understand and you take, when you hear it, the answer, you grasp it immediately. And doesn't the Blessed Mother do that? How is this to be? I don't know man. I'm a virgin. I, I gave myself to you, to, to God, as a perpetual virgin. How am I to remain a virgin and yet bear? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And she answers with absolute understanding. Let it be done to me according to your word. That's a sign of not 
a darkened intellect, but an intellect that's been enlightened by Christ, an intellect that's been filled with grace, that she could say yes from that first moment. If we look at the scriptures on surface level, if we think about the Blessed Mother on the surface level, we see contradiction after contradiction. But if we look at it deeper, we see she is indeed the sign that is contradicted. She is, has the heart that is pierced to reveal our thoughts. A heart that's pierced from that first moment of her conception through her standing at the cross, through her assumption. She points us towards eternal salvation. That what she enjoyed from the first moment of her conception, the church enjoys from the first moment of her conception. We as members of the church, called to be holy, called to be filled with grace, to be full of grace, that's what St. Paul invites us in the Ephesians, that we would work out freedom from original sin, that we would deal with those effects of original sin, and that we ourselves would someday be in eternity with God, worshiping him, honoring the Blessed Mother, because she is special, something tremendously special about her. She is the Mother of God, perpetual virgin, conceived without sin for the first moment of her life, and taken to heaven 